Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. So I have some kids who are going to come up and get set here right now. So you guys are going to want to be able to flip around so you can see up here because we have a little skit that we're about to start in a moment. A little story happening that's going to help all of us. This is for the kids, but adults, this is for you too. I want to make sure I don't, well, maybe I'll just hold the coffee so somebody doesn't kick it over. Oh, yes, you get to watch it. But you got to help me first while our, our players are getting set. And I think Ruth, Orpa, Naomi, you're going to come over here on this side. Don't, don't worry, you can come over in front of me. And narrators, come back over here. Um, kids, tell me, how does your family show you that they love you? Can somebody tell me a few ways? Yeah. Oh, so you, you care about your family and that's one of the ways that you know that they love you too. Yeah. What are some things that people do? Yeah, Beck. They do some things, they tell them they love you and they can't move. They give you food and water. Oh, giving. Yes, we really try to do a lot of giving food and water in our house. It's like non-negotiable way that we care. I'm going to come over here. Yeah. Tell me. Okay, that's totally fine. Go ahead. They accept you even when you make mistakes. Yeah, how do you, how can you tell? Yeah, I see a parent celebrating her. Yeah, we do. <laughs> no, no. Okay, last one, Zoe. Yeah, I'm your mom. Yes, okay. Yeah. Ringer, a ringer right there. Yeah, so our story this morning, you guys might not know it, you might not ever have heard this Christmas story. Or if you have heard it before, you might not have known that it was a Christmas story. But it is. And so our friends here, some of our teenagers, they're going to help introduce our story for this morning. Okay, are you guys ready? Yeah? Many years ago, a woman named Naomi traveled to a distant land, one she had always feared, but she couldn't find any food in her country. Naomi's two sons had married to, married to a woman from that country called Ruth and Orpah, but then Naomi's sons died, so Ruth and Orpah have been living with Naomi. You don't need to follow me anymore. I have nothing left to offer you. Go back to your parents' home where they can take care of you. I can't, run, I can't even offer you a home to sleep in or food to eat. Orpah knew how loving Naomi was, but she was very afraid. Where would they live? What would they eat? I will always remember you, Naomi. Okay, Ruth, now you too. Ruth, why do you want to stay with me? I'm going back to Judah where I was born. You won't know anyone. It'll be hard and lonely. You don't even worship the same God we worship. But I love you. 
Naomi, so when you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Naomi looked at, Ruth, at Ruth's aisle and felt her warm hand. Despite their differences, they were family, and family take care of each other. And God would take care of them. The, the end. end. Wow, they did an awesome job, didn't they? I have to admit, you guys, you laughed at a few places. I did not expect you to laugh. <laughs> okay, so tell me just a little bit. Oh, hands, my kiddos, hands, thank you. Tell me a little bit, how, how do you think Naomi was feeling at the beginning of the story? Yeah, she thought she loved them, but they didn't have room, so that might have made her sad, maybe. But then maybe by the end of the story, there is some happiness, right? Because, because it's a whole big mix of emotions right there in that story. Someone else tell me, someone who's not related to me, um, <laughs> tell me, um, would you like to have a friend like Ruth? who said, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go where you go. What about you think? Yes. Do you have any friends who remind you of Ruth? OK, yeah, we're still in the age where we're, we're learning how to be friends. We're making more and more friends, especially things happen. You move to new schools, things like that. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this story all about friendship and care for each other and family, becoming family. So then the question is, how is this about Christmas? Because I told you guys it was a Christmas story, right? Well, I'm going to talk about it even more with your parents, but here is the real quick answer. I'm just going to tell you real quick. Is that okay? Or you want to, do you want to tell me one idea? Why do you think it's about Christmas? I think it's because Yeah, there's some themes of love and family that makes it a Christmas story. Here, one other thought over here. It's okay. It's totally fine. Yes, it's about togetherness. Yes, that is so good. And here is the one other way I was thinking, because I like your answers a lot. I think that might be even better than mine, to be honest. But here's the other way I was thinking. Did you know that Ruth in that story, Ruth, who Naomi almost sent away, right? was like, hey, just go, you know, you're not going to be happy where I'm going. We're too different. I, I don't want to make you do that. So we almost didn't have Ruth. Well, Ruth actually ends up becoming one of Jesus great 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 grandmothers so actually when the christmas story is told ruth's name is one of the names that always comes up because she was one of jesus great 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 grandmothers well here's what i want you guys to do you guys have been awesome can you guys clap for these kids for me 
say Beck is going to come and help pass out, but people can also go ahead and grab. You guys are going to take these back to your seats with your family, okay? There's some sticker crafts that you guys can work on back at your seats, okay? And let me grab this. Guys, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. You can grab your craft and head back. All right. Just leave it, baby. Um, so this story of Ruth is actually a story for us today here in this kind of awkward Sunday. Everybody who came in this morning is just like, it's just a weird feeling Sunday in the calendar after the Thanksgiving holiday. And all of a sudden, we're so quickly moving into this, this Christmas season, which the church, the formal word that's often used for it is the season of Advent. Advent is when we start yeah, come get one. Advent is when we start celebrating um, all about Christmas. And <laughs> it's so funny, but sometimes people um, behind the scenes refer to this as like a throwaway Sunday. And that's so, I mean, but this has been so much fun. We decided to say, no, it's not throwaway, it's creative. This is creative when we get to enjoy our kids a little bit more this Sunday. Um, so this is how Jesus is introduced in the book of Matthew, as we're going to start learning about this, this child who was brought to earth, who, who comes and shows us exactly what God is like, shows us love in this radical and embodied form. The way Jesus is introduced, I got to be honest, for our ears, it doesn't necessarily sound the most exciting. Our friend Barbara Sinclair is gonna come up and read the beginning of Matthew 1 for us in just a moment. Um, and it's, it's perhaps not the most exciting passage ever to our ears because it's gonna be a list of names. It's a genealogy. It's, it's the lineage of Jesus, which was a very traditional thing at the time. And yet there's going to be a twist. And it's the twist that I want us to have ears to listen for this morning. Because traditionally, a lineage at that time would be presented with the names of the fathers. It was a, a patriarchal society, and so it was, it was the line of the fathers. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, right? All of a list of fathers. But this morning, what I'm gonna ask you to listen for, as Barbara reads for us, is I want you to listen for the word mother because it's gonna come in five times, five times that we're gonna hear the word mother just burst out. And it's, it's a weird thing, intentionally weird. And we're gonna start celebrating it this morning. So every time you hear the word mother scripture is read this morning, I'm gonna invite you to either raise a hand or if you want to, you can even raise a fist, because this is actually a moment of empowerment this morning uh, as we hear these words read. So would you guys stand and welcome up our friend Barbara Sinclair, who's going to be reading from Matthew 1 for us this morning. And remember, kids, you can do this too, because you've got great ears. Oh, here, do you want me to hold for you? Or? Oh, no, 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 just put it there? All right, so remember, you're listening for the word mother, raise a hand, or even raise a fist if you would like to. The genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother 
was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother Woo! was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother Woo! was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehomabob, or something. <laughs> Rehomabob, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Joham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheatitel, Sheatitel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother Woo! of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. <laughs> People of God, this is the word of God. Thank you so much to Barbara. She did amazing, didn't she? <laughs> oh. Thank you for doing that and for adding the cheers to the mothers. Because um, this really is, while it's boring to us, in some ways, you know, just, just that list of names, right? There's actually a really masterful thing happening here. So the writer of this particular gospel, this story of Jesus, Matthew, Matthew is very Jewish. That is his cultural context. He is, he's a good Jewish man. And in many ways, the audience that he's writing for, as opposed to some of the other gospel writers, there are four different accounts of Jesus' life that we call the gospels. Um, Matthew's context, his audience, is mostly fellow Jewish people, right? And so as he is wanting to approach them and tell them about who Jesus is, to celebrate, hey, this, this incredible Christmas thing happened, he has to think about who he's talking to. And so there's something really just crafty that he's doing here, because all of those men's names, that sort of standard patriarchal recitation of the lineage of Jesus, of his genealogy, he's doing all sorts of stuff there to say, hey, this is how legit Jesus is. This is how solid he is in our culture and sort of his own just lineage and, and standing in the community. What Matthew's trying to do is say, hey, he goes back to David. David's name was kind of a high point there. Like he's part of this, this holy, honored, revered lineage. 
that's who Jesus is. And, and this matters. There are ways that he's doing that in terms of the numbers of generations and the numbers relate to different letters. And it's a whole bunch of stuff, right? And so if we were immersed in the culture, we would get it. Then Matthew's saying, hey, Jesus is legitimate. He is related to David. So that's the part where it's just kind of the solid traditionality. I don't know if that's a word, but you know, it's just kind of like, it's just like, yeah, institutional, right? And so he's saying, this is the part where you know and you get it. But now I'm going to build a bridge to a future that you have, we've only dreamed of. Because in the midst of all of this like traditionalism, this patriarchal lineage, come these women's names, these outliers. And they're radical outliers. One, of course, because yes, they're women, right? Like, why? Why would he mention the women's names? That in and of itself, it's like, hey, this is, this is disruptive. What's going on? We don't just pay attention to like the, the broad trend of what's happening. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a patriarchal genealogy, but there are these outliers that we wanna pay attention to and why? Why is he naming the women? But then here's the other thing. There were other women potentially in Jesus' lineage that would have been more acceptable to name. Someone like for any of you who are familiar with the Old Testament stories, Abraham, the father of the great Jewish nation, well, he's married to Sarah. Why isn't Sarah one of the names mentioned, right? Rebecca, Rachel, these are the, the matriarchs, the acceptable women, the righteous women. He could have mentioned those names, but the five names that he mentions are scandalous names. These are women who are not so acceptable. In fact, um, Ruth was the most family-friendly story I could come up with out of the lineage for today, right? Like I thought I was gonna preach on someone else and I was like, ooh, no, I can't like handle that story well with all the children in the room right like these are not easy stories these aren't veggie tales stories right and actually neither is ruth's we're picking a small piece to look at this morning here together these are disruptive stories and so we start to get a glimmer even from the very beginning that matthew is saying something different is going on here this story of Jesus, yes, it's, it's anchored in what we've always known about who God is. That's real. But man, there's something else going on too. And there's a piece of the narrative that we have maybe tended to overlook that I want to start bringing your attention to. And that piece is radical. We're going to, as we, as we look at these women over the next few weeks, a series we're thinking of, we're calling Named, because it's just so amazing that these women are, are named, they're called out, they're celebrated, when some people might have thought of them as unmentionable. I really just want to take a second this morning to, to reflect together on how important being named is. And not necessarily in the sense just of like when you're born, right? And you're given a name. 
But some of us here have actually had experiences where we've had to reclaim a name or we've had to choose for ourselves a name that fits us better. Like I think of, of some friends who I know have had the experience of being given or at some point in their life feeling some pressure to choose an Americanized name. They had a name that really fit with their culture, uh, their cultural identity, their family's heritage. But at some point they, they were given a nudge more or less strongly saying, no, it, you'll fit better if you just pick a name that, that's more Americanized. Um, and I know that for some of my friends, it's been incredibly powerful and profound to at a certain point say, you know, I'd like to reconnect with my family heritage. And a way to do that is to reclaim my name, my traditional name. And there's, a, there's an owning of themselves in that. Others of us in the room, either we've had this experience or friends of ours have had this experience, where realizing that uh, our gender identity is not what our parents believed it was when we were born, that we've had an experience of choosing a new name, a name that fits who we actually are and are becoming. And living into that can be so profound, so freeing. We want to be named, right? Whether it's the, the literal process, you know, of of expressing ourselves in this way with a, a particular name, a particular identity, or, or just people seeing us and being able to be who we are. There's a naming of ourselves just in taking off the masks, right? I'm just saying, this is my story. A therapist I, I've enjoyed over the years named Dan Allender talks about moments of unnaming, those experiences where people don't see us in subtle and not so subtle ways cue us that we should not be our full selves we should hide pieces and he says this in those moments of unnaming when we've lost ourselves we have to remember to return to our past redemption to find god's mark of glory on our abandonment betrayal and shame because without our past we're hollow and plastic beings with only common names and conventional stories. But when we enter into our story at the point we lost our name, we're most likely to hear the whisper of our new name. I just love that idea that to deny parts of ourselves, we're hollow and plastic. It's when we, we enter into our story, we enter into those things that are different, maybe where we've experienced woundedness, hardship, that's where we see God showing up. That's where we see God blessing. That's where we see God naming us, saying, no, no, no. Whatever they say about you, I say, beloved. I say, mine. I say, amazing. That's what I see in this on the surface dry passage, this reclaiming, this renaming. No, we will not lose these names. We will not lose the stories of Ruth, 
Bathsheba, Tamar. No, they're all gods. They all matter. Uh, a wonderful, just incredible preacher by the name of Will Gaffney. She was writing, reflecting on this passage uh, and the significance of these particular women being named. And this is how she sums it up. Jesus was not ashamed of his mama or any of his folk or the secrets and skeletons in their closet. And that's good news right there. Because some of you are scandalous and some of you are scandalized and Jesus is not ashamed of any of us. I had to sit with that for a minute. Some of us are scandalous. Some of us are scandalized. And Jesus isn't ashamed of any of us. I think the difference there between the scandalous and the scandalized, some of us have made choices we regret, right? And that's just part of our story. Actually, I think that's, for most of us, part of our story. Some of us, other people have made bad choices that have affected us. And we're the scandalized. And Jesus isn't ashamed of us either. Last week, Dottie was talking about parties as we were wrapping up that story. And, and the word that she used has just been playing in my head over and over this past week. It was this word of belonging. That that's what Jesus offers us. That's what even this Christmas story, this Christmas family tree, these sort of wild women who are Jesus' grandmothers. It's what it offers to us, this sense of belonging, radical, disruptive, unashamed, loud, celebratory. And so that's what we want to lean into together this season. I don't know what this last week was like for you. I think for most of us, when we enter into situations with family and friends, or even situations where Maybe we think we're supposed to be with family and friends and we're actually not sure where to be. We experience challenges to our sense of belonging. Is all of me acceptable here? Do they really wanna know me? What we wanna celebrate this season is that here with Jesus, the answer is yes, all of you, fully known, fully loved, fully accepted. So what I'd like to do is I want to invite you, we're just going to take two or three minutes on this, but I would love for you to find somebody next to you. And kids, you are absolutely invited to be part of this too. Friends on Zoom, you're invited to add some thoughts to the chat. And, and don't leave, don't leave just because we're doing a little bit of discussion, friends on Zoom. We still have music and all sorts of fun things that are going to happen. You can always just take a little stretch break if you want to. But here's the question to talk about with just a couple neighbors. You know, and if you see someone you don't know, maybe try and pull them in a little bit too. Um, is there a time that you were named recently that you were feeling left out and someone helped pull you in, helped you know that this was a place where, yes, you belonged, all of you? What did that feel like? And it, if you need to reach back a little farther in your story, that's okay too. Let's share just for a minute about a time that you felt named. All right, just a couple minutes, go.